Okay, I want to spend just a minute actually reviewing some things we talked about last time um, and then having that launch us into some things we want to talk about for this time. So you remember last time we started to talk about this servant um, and this becomes an increasingly important theme as we go along. And so we have this uh, servant sometimes called the suffering servant, but sometimes it's not suffering, just the servant that we, we keep encountering again and again. And uh, we need to make sure we understand something about uh, this, this servant and uh, the different ways that it's used, all right? So uh, really from, from this point on, the theme of God's servant, it, it, it just becomes more and more important. And in many ways, Christ really is the servant that is continually the one that's represented when it talks about a servant. He's the primary fulfillment of this, um, especially in the passages about the suffering servant, but really all the time. So uh, Christ is the servant, but in a lot of ways, Israel is the servant, and Israel is actually the one that is identified in the writings as the servant at one point. The servant can also be anyone who is, is called to serve God. So in a way, Isaiah is a fulfillment of it, or any of us prophets, or you. Um, but I would say the primary fulfillment is Isaiah kind of, but mostly Christ or the Messiah and Israel itself, right? And, and there's a reason why um, it's both Christ and Israel. These aren't mutually exclusive ideas. They are, in fact, mutually inclusive ideas, um, because uh, Israel is a symbol or a type of Christ. We understand Christ better if we understand Israel. Israel is a group that's chosen from even before the world began because they were willing to do God's will, uh, to help bring about his purposes. Uh, they're a group that would suffer greatly because of how different they are from the rest of the world, and this group is sent to bring others to God. All of that is the same role that, that uh, really Christ has, all right? So, in Isaiah's day, and surely thereafter, uh, most or if not all of the Jews would have seen the covenant people as the servant in these Isaiah passages, although many of them also came to view it as, as the uh, coming Messiah. Um, from our point of view, most of them we, we think of as being Christ, and we don't kind of think of uh, Israel as that servant, but I think that really we should. All right, so. With that in mind, then, let's move to the beginning of this chapter. And like so often, if we're going to understand the beginning of chapter 42, we need to look at the end of chapter 41. So the end of chapter 41, he's saying, I looked and, and there's no man even among them, and there was no counselor that when I asked of them could answer a word. Behold, they are all vanity. Their works are nothing. Their molten images are wind and confusion. So he's really, as he winds this chapter down, he's, he really issues a challenge to the Gentiles. He's saying, can any of you tell me anything? He's just in the verses right before this, he's saying, you can't tell me about the, about, uh, the prophecy that someone will come from the north to conquer, but I can because I know things. I'm really God, right? And one of these conquerors will be Cyrus, who is uh, a fulfillment of the servant. Uh, he, he's one of the servants referred to, right? Um, but the contrast is that no one in the world is wise enough or able to do any of the things that he wants. Instead, it's really only Jehovah, all right? So that's what he's talking about in the chapters before this. Now we get to verse 1 of chapter 42, and this is in contrast. He says, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So again, we're going to see, and you see in the, the chapter heading, that it says it's talking about the Messiah, and that's absolutely true. I think Christ is, is the great fulfillment of this verse, um, who God upholds, who is his elect, uh, he delights in him, his spirit's in him, and he, he helps with the Gentiles, but it's also Israel. 
who are the elect of God and God delights in them and their spirit comes upon them and they're supposed to help the Gentiles, right? It, it works for both of them. Um, and I think that's uh, important. And, and both of them are in contrast to the verses ahead of time where people were trusting in people who actually couldn't deliver anything, right? Um, so who's the servant that's being spoken of here? I would say it's both Christ and uh, us. And the same, it's in contrast with the last verse. We've already done that, right? Here's what I want you to do. How does this verse apply to you? We're going to ask this question in class, and I want you to come to class prepared to kind of discuss how that verse applies to you um, and how the, the servant verses can apply to you as well. We're going to jump forward to verses five through seven. In class, we'll do the verses in between. I think they're beautiful and important, but I, I think it'll be fun to have a discussion about them in class. So we're going to jump to verses five through seven where after describing some of the attributes of the servant, he then says, Thus saith the God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. So note verse 5 is a description. Don't forget who is calling you. It is God, the creator. Right? We need to keep that in mind. I'm the creator. I'm the one who creates the world and life. You have no life without me. That God has called thee, the servant, in righteousness, and will uphold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I think that's really beautiful stuff. So let's think about this for a minute. It is God who sent Christ, um, but it's also God who sends Israel including us, right? So God directs Christ through every phase of his various ministries, and he gives him power to do God's will. Um, really, Christ it does every, he's the one that makes it possible for the covenant to be fulfilled, right? And as a result, and we're going to see this happening a few times, the covenant um, is called the servant. Sometimes the servant, or the, the covenant itself is the servant. We see it here, we're going to see it in chapter 49. Um, and I think that's why Christ is sometimes, such as in Malachi 3, called the messenger of the covenant. Um, he is here to help us recognize and, and uh, have the opportunity to experience the fulfillment of the covenant, right? So it's, it's really, it's important to never forget that as central as Christ is to the plan, that the plan is God's, right? And the covenant is God's plan. So Christ is his servant or his messenger that teaches us about and then makes it possible to fulfill his plan or his covenant, right? And we need to remember that, and that's part of what's being taught here, all right? So this covenant is going to save Israel. It's going to save all the Gentiles who are willing to become part of Israel. Um, and all of this is, is uh, specifically and powerfully applied to Israel. Israel's also been chosen. God has promised to lead them by the hand. That's part of the covenant, right? And he's going to protect them. But they have an obligation in the covenant to spread knowledge of God to all the nations of the earth and to, to bring the light of the gospel to all the nations of the earth. So part of the reason that the servant is called the covenant in this verse is because the servant is both God's pledge that he will fulfill his covenant, and it's the method by which he will fulfill that covenant, which is, again, Christ, who's also called in, in Hebrews, for example, he's called the guarantor, the guarantor of the covenant. Um, so both Christ and Israel are ways that God will fulfill his promises. Israel has to carry the covenant 
and all of the ordinances that administer the covenant and the news about Christ to the entire world. Um, and so they're a messenger of the covenant. Um, but then Christ's atoning sacrifice makes it possible for all the promises of the covenant to be fulfilled. So really, um, both uh, are, are very applicable. And again, you need to think about how this applies to you. Um, Christ is going to be the one who physically opens the eyes of the physical blind, but also the eyes of the spiritual blind. And he frees us from every form of bondage and especially spiritual darkness and bondage and and so on. It could even be applied to Christ's mission uh, in the spirit world as he brings people out of the prison house and so on. But really under his direction uh, and his power, Israel is doing the same thing, right? We're all supposed to bring freedom and vision and light to the world physically and spiritually, both in this world and in the next and so on. So I hope you can see um, how important it is to recognize not just in these uh, verses, although I went through them in these verses so we get these chapters better, but I also went through them so that as you continue to encounter these uh, images of the servant, that you'll be able to see how they apply to both uh, us, well, Israel, ancient Israel, modern Israel, and Christ. <laughs>